Hey everyone, Eric here. Just a couple of things for you all before we get into this week's episode. First, if you haven't already seen, I got a chance to join Robin D. Laws, the creator of the Yellow King RPG and author of Casilda Song, and Kenneth Height on their podcast, Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff, to talk about what it's like to GM for an actual play podcast. If you're interested in some of the -the behind-the-scenes work that goes into the nature of my game, check out their most recent episode called All This Stupid Wheat, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, as I started last week, I want to take a second to highlight a couple more of our past seasons. As longtime listeners know, I'm a huge fan of Delta Green, an RPG from Arc Dream Publishing, and we've created quite a bit of Delta Green content on the podcast at this point. Our second season, called Highway to Hell, follows three Delta Green agents sent to Hellbend, California, to look into a pair of murders that have thus far baffled investigators. The investigation continues in Fortunate Son, another of our seasons, as agents head to Chester, Ohio to learn more about Hellbend's most famous resident. These two seasons are based on a multi-part Delta Green scenario written by Dennis Detwiller called Future Perfect. As always, if you want to learn more about the nature of my game podcast, you can find us at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at www.nomgpodcast.com. And especially for new listeners, but really for anyone who hasn't already done so, if you could take a moment to leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. And now, with no more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode three of Casilda's Song, chapter one, Spill the Wine. Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. It moved with a sort of an odd, scuttling motion. I'd, I'd swear it was searching for something that it had lost. And the one feature that is most clear in the painting that, like, isn't blurred out is it has two small, beady, black eyes that seem to kind of, like, bore right into you. Oh, don't worry. I can't imagine there's a market for this. What are you, a bit of a amateur investigator? Perhaps, if you would consider a poet an investigator. Perhaps an investigator of the heart and the soul. We have to be careful. I don't want it to cause any harm, but it can harm us. That I am sure of. Nobody else seems to be doing anything about this, and somebody's got to figure it out. So if you all are scared, I'm going to be going after that creature. If you want to come with me, it doesn't make any difference to me. Don't worry, I'm, I'm only going to the finest cafes and you know the finest restaurants and bars, nothing seedy. I don't know if we're looking for some sort of creature or a man wandering around who doesn't have an arm anymore. Well, I would say if you were to notice either of those things, that would be valuable information. <gasps> yes, yes, that's that's what I saw. I threw a book at it and I, I, I ran away. Paris, September 15th, 1895. I'll sing you one, oh, green grow the rushes, oh, what is your one, oh, one is one and all alone and ever more shall be so. Bastian Teroff sang to himself as he strolled around the grounds of the church, trimming the hedges. It was a song he remembered from his youth, and though he really didn't have any idea what most of it meant, the tune was catchy and he often found himself singing it as he worked. Bastien liked working at this time of day, around dusk as the sun was setting. It wasn't as hot as other times, and there was something about strolling along the grounds as the shadows lengthened that made him feel like he was in an artist's painting. He was just about finished with the hedges when he smelled something odd. It was familiar, at least somewhat, but he couldn't place it. It was almost sickly sweet, like a flower in bloom. But it was the wrong time of year for anything to be blooming, and besides, it was more unpleasant than that. Bastien would have to find the source of the smell, but it could wait until tomorrow. He had dinner plans tonight, and he promised his wife that he'd make it home in time to clean up first. Bastien finished up and made his way toward the shed near the back of the church. He'd just put everything away, let Father Buxton know he was leaving, and he'd be home in plenty of time. He reached the door of the shed when he smelled that smell again, stronger now. He turned to see if he could spot the source and noticed something quickly moving through the grass toward him. He assumed it was the cat that lived in the churchyard, And by the time he realized it wasn't, it was too late. A single thought passed through his head. One is one and all alone, and evermore shall be so. Chapter 2 
All right, so I'm going to start this episode with uh, a somewhat strange question, but but work with me here. Okay. So if you if you were to take your character and they lived now in the place that you live, how would they eat? Like, <laughs> would they cook all their own food? Would they like buy the cheapest stuff? Would they like go out all the time? What kind of foods do you think they would like? Would they have like the same amount of yeah. means? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Genevieve would definitely not cook for herself. Okay. She would certainly have a personal a chef and would eat at fancy restaurants whenever she had the chance and probably attend fancy dinner parties and stuff So you think like she that. would be like a she would be kind of a foodie? Or do you think she would just go for like the most expensive things possible? Yeah, I think just as long as she knew that somebody who had a good record or or a reputation was cooking it, then she would just assume that it was good. She would probably like recognize if something was like poorly prepared, but I don't think she pays that much attention to. Got it. Okay, got it. It's more about the prestige of the pre- of the preparation than it is yeah, about the exactly. actual taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like Francis. Francis has money. She's not Vanderbilt level, but like she's got some money. So I, but I feel like she would enjoy the attempt at cooking. Okay. I feel like she would probably be the kind of person who tries to cook very complicated things mm-hmm. and doesn't actually do it terribly well. <laughs> but like she has friends that like her enough that will be like, no, no, it's good. <laughs> now I'm afraid that's what happens when I make terribly complicated <laughs> things. <laughs> no. <laughs> like during the pandemic, she definitely was a baker. <laughs> No, yeah, sure. got yeah. really into sourdough. Oh yeah, she's got that sourdough starter for sure. Exactly. <laughs> I think uh, I think Percy is very similar to Genevieve in this sense, but for different reasons. Like I think he's just out every day. Like it's not just. I mean, obviously he has the means to be out every day, but I don't think it's just about like the reputation or you know the prestige with the the food or anything like that. I think it's just his lifestyle. It's like. The thought of like being at home and cooking for himself is just like not really in his social agenda. But does he is he going out to like long fancy meals or is he just like is he grabbing whatever he can get on the way to like the next bar? I think more of the latter. I think there are times when he does find himself because he does kind of like float between different levels of society. So I think he he does end up in situations where he's at you know, a dinner party or a fancy restaurant or something like that. But it's more typically, you know, he's been at a cafe all day. He'll get a bite. He's going out to a bar. He'll get a bite, that kind of thing. He, Mm. You know, stop by a deli or a a McDonald's (laughs) if there's one on the way or a hot dog stand on the way. (laughs) Halal cart, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) White sauce, red sauce. Um, (laughs) I mean, do you see Percy at a lot of bottomless brunches? Like, just, is he (laughs) that that kind of guy where he's like... Oh, I don't know. You know? Well, does he wake up in time for the bottomless brunch? Mm. I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's, he's getting a very late start. Yeah, <laughs> he's the one yeah. that misses the bottomless brunch, but then picks up with the group after they've left. But he's already he's ready to jump right in. So, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for Rose, I think Rose is is mostly really cooking all her own meals. But I think she is having just a real wild ride through Wegmans. You know, she's just <laughs> there's just so many different options and so many different things to try. And you know, I'm assuming that. You know, she's, I don't know, like she, she's using that money, like having a good time to like try some fancy things she's never tried before. I oh, could yeah. see her doing that. Like all of the, the fancy cheese section and, you know, all the international foods. I, I see her. She definitely cooks her own food, but she's trying everything. So do they have Wegmans upstate? Is that a, is that an upstate? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. There is literally three Wegmans within, like, a 10-minute drive with different directions. I love it. It's just a, <laughs> it's a great return. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll, I'll trade you for the, the key food down the street from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll take the Wegmans. Yeah. I really do think, though, like, if you, like, anytime you live in the city and, like, oh, you're used to the city grocery stores and you leave to go anywhere else, <laughs> it could be, like, the most 
average grocery store yep. and it feels like you have like come from behind the iron curtain or something and like <laughs> oh, yeah. you're embracing the wealth of capitalism and just the bounty everywhere oh absolutely the, my favorite thing about going back home to south bend is going into martin supermarket which is a, an indiana chain and just the the aisles that are like three carts wide, yeah, just like expansive, <laughs> and like a football field long, <laughs> yeah, and just everything. And and I this sounds obnoxious, but almost too many choices. I know that sounds intense, <laughs> but do we need this many cereals? Do you know what yes. I mean? Like, I narrow it down <laughs> a little do. bit for yeah, me. It's do. just too many <laughs> options here, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that better. Like true. my grocery store, if you ever need to buy spices, mm. they will invariably have everything except the spice you need. So you're yeah. like, yeah, yep. I need cumin today and I'm not going to get that. They have <laughs> 10 rows of like cardamom or something. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody ever uses cardamom. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Mm. Everybody uses cumin. <laughs> true. This just makes me sad because like the neighborhood grocery store that was always around when I was a kid, closed like two or three oh, years no. ago. And it was it was part of a chain, I wanna be clear. Like it was in our neighborhood, but like, yeah, the city I'm from is like, it's got all of that sprawl, right? And so you suddenly lose a grocery store and you have to go miles before you can mm. get one. Mm. And like, none of them are right. They just don't have the things <laughs> I want when I get home. <laughs> I don't know how my parents are putting up with it. it sucks. Ugh. <laughs> Definitely one of the biggest changes from moving from the Midwest to the the urban part of the tri-state area. The, the <laughs> most urban part of the tri-state area was the grocery stores. Yeah. I think I will say, though, from like moving from the city back upstate, like the thing that I miss about the smaller grocery store is the really weird particular things that they mm -hmm. have. Like especially like, you know, you go into like the drinks aisle and they have like 10 different kombuchas and like you know just like coffee drinks and stuff like that and like you don't actually get a lot of that and unfortunately it does feel like anything with like flavor or like that's interesting all gets crammed mm. into what they call the international aisle yes and like you know I'm looking for like kimchi and it's just not where I would think it would be like <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. like <laughs> I don't know with uh, with other like vegetables or like fermented things it's all like yeah. shoved into one spot yeah. but yeah, yeah. Going to the gigantic Wegmans like at a very early hour or late hour is one of those perfect like liminal spaces. You kind of feel like, what's really happening here? <laughs> yeah. I was actually going to say something about kimchi too because I feel like the, those small grocery stores also have things like kimchi, which like it comes in a clear container that like just has a barcode on it, and it's like it's oh, possible yeah. that it was mm. made by the person who owns the store. Oh yeah, um, but you can never be quite sure where it comes from. But it <laughs> oh is my good. gosh, no! But it's like delicious too, yeah. and it's like you can never. You're like, I won't ever be able to replicate this. Like, I have to. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know how to transition from that to where we are. So we're just going to go back in. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what are we having for dinner when we all meet up? That's right. <gasps> that's right. There you that's go. Right. Boom. That's yeah. it. Who picked um, the meetup spot? That's the question. Mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the Vanderbilts have chosen. <laughs> Are the Vanderbilts paying? I was going to say. I imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you're they not, carry not... money on them? <laughs> they have a tab at every at every yeah, restaurant. Just have <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, four art students in Paris are um, on the hunt of some strange thing that God maybe pulled an arm off of someone. Um, they started in the park at Ile de la Jatte, um, painting with Claude Monet and Alfred Sisley. They discovered that they discovered this arm because a woman screamed and uh, it was floating in the Seine. And they spent some time in the nearby neighborhood of uh, Neuilly canvassing the area, trying to see if they could talk to anyone or see, that, that had seen this thing or person or creature and, and or see any kind of signs of it being there. And just as they, they split up and just as Rose and Francis were about to meet up with Genevieve and Percy Vanderbilt um, for dinner after having canvassed, they encountered a choir boy who was heading home from choir practice who said that a, a figure with a mouth of bristling, sharp, triangular teeth lunged at him, and he threw a book at it, threw a book at its head and ran away. Um, and that's where we left things. So we're going to pick things back up right there 
he's he's in quite a state now that you've gotten him um, that you've gotten him talking. He was he was afraid as you were walk as as you were walking by him, but now he's still seems afraid and is just kind of riled up uh, from this encounter that he had with whatever this was. Yeah, I mean it's 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 follow up time. It, <laughs> was this just now? Was wh- where when? Yes, minute minutes ago. It just uh, over there, and he like points in a direction. Um, Francis looks at Rose. Uh, and I think Rose, she, she reaches out with a good hand and she, she grabs the boy by, by his shoulder and she says, take us there. You have to take us where you were. No, I, no, I'm not, I'm not going back there. I'm I'm going home. I'm locking the door. (laughs) Damn it, kid. No, um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) can I, can I use Rose's, um, steel to try and influence him to, to show Uh, him where he was? you can. Yeah. What do you say? Uh, I think she's, you know, she's got him by the shoulder, and she sort of, she sort of just like looks him right in the eye, um, and and she says, "You're safe with us, but you need to show us where you saw that creature." Uh, he kind of nods, steals himself um, from from your steal, and starts leading you down the street, and takes a couple of turns, and you can see kind of in the direction that you're heading, you ste- you see the steeple of a church in the neighborhood. And he um, he kind of like points down an alleyway um, that's kind of like halfway between where you were and where this church is that he likely was coming from um, and says it, it it came from there. I was walking past and it just it lunged out at me and then it ran back that way after I threw the book at it. Did it did it touch you? Did it bite you at all? No, no, it, it I, I think I, I, I saw it coming and I was able to to scare it off, I think. Oh, thank God. Is where he's pointing at? Is it like an as somewhere where like there be, there are multiple exits? Is it going to be obvious like that it's where it might have gone? Yeah, so it's a it's not like a, an alley that that has a dead end. It's it's just yeah. like a kind of small in between like buildings alleyway that goes out to another street on the other side. Sh- um, Rose, should should we send him to get the others, or should we? I don't. Should we pursue it now or with more help? I, th- I think we should take this lead while we have it. Um, okay. And, you know, Rose nods and, and she kind of lets go of the boy. And I think she says, you know, quickly, like, run to whatever that restaurant was mm. that we decided. Um, you know, uh, find, find a- the very rich looking people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> They're going find to seem very fancy. The richest pair that you can see and tell them, tell them where we've been. Um, uh, if you get them back here, you know, quickly, there's there's a a franc in it for you. Forgot a copper piece yeah. in it for you. <laughs> a copper piece, yes. <laughs> I don't know what... Uh... Be worth your while. Yeah. Um, and I think that they would just send him off if he will do it. Yeah. Okay, Because I don't want to leave them hanging. Yeah. I'm going to assume that you chose a restaurant. You probably chose the nicest restaurant in the neighborhood, right? So the, I, I'm going to assume that you chose um, something somewhat nearby. So the, the choir boy... Um, with new courage, uh, runs off to the restaurant um, <laughs> to find the Vanderbilts. Um, Rose and Francis, what are you going to do in the meantime? I, I'm i going to pick up my walking stick like it's a big old baseball bat. And I think we just got to go in and yeah. see what we can find. Yeah, I think Rose would follow. Because it's just down like an alleyway, right? So Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right, so you start walking down the alleyway and there's like... I don't know, there's some trash that's, like, piled up on the sides. Maybe there are some trash cans. So it's not, like, a clear path for you between there and the other street. And the sun's starting to set as well, so it's, um, you know, the shadows are kind of getting longer. Yeah, they are. Um, And there's no lights down this alleyway, so it's, it's, it's darker than it has been for you out kind of on the main street. And you walk past a couple of trash cans, and you look down and see a cat that has been like oh. torn apart. Oh, um, no. And like its insides eaten. Oh. Ew. Uh, I think. Okay. And there's like blood kind of like splattered up against the side of the building where the cat is lying. Oh, no. Sorry, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> can it's I- just wounding me specifically. <laughs> 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 I think Francis is trying to figure out if we, because I think we also, just like the our, our sibling pair, had learned 
some people had vaguely seen it around in lots of places. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's there's gotta be a way that it is getting around this area and not being seen by everyone. So I think Francisca is gonna try to look for two things. I think she's gonna look up and see if she sees anything on the roofs. And she's gonna look down and see if there's anything like a sewer entrance. Okay. You look up and it jumps. No. Um. No! <laughs> That's the story of how Francis died. Yeah. <laughs> Her head just um, you, bitten off. Yes, yeah, just one, one, clean, one clean bite. Yep. You look up. I mean, you know, n- not too many of these residential buildings are particularly tall in this yeah. neighborhood. And you don't see anything like leaping across the rooftops, mm-hmm. but you can only really see the two buildings above you. Um, they're close enough together that like theoretically, like you would guess that like a a cat or something could could leap from one building to the next. Mm. So theoretically, something could be moving up there. And now I want to question myself on whether there's a sewer system in Paris in 1895. But I believe that there is. So I'm going to. So I think so. So I think you probably kind of in the center of the alleyway, there might be there's like a, a grate where kind of sewage might, you know, drip down into or at least water runoff might drip down into. There's definitely I mean, she a sewer would, like, system. Remember Les Mis? Yeah, Remember? That's 1830. They drag them through it. Good point. <laughs> I've never seen Les Mis, so. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> great, great well, stuff. All right. <laughs> My mother complained, my very Catholic mother complained they prayed too often in Les Mis, which is <laughs> shocking. Um, but okay, so I'm just going to poke it with my foot and see if it looks like it is one of those fixed grates or the kind that can be easily lifted up. Uh, this one is a fixed grate. Perfect. I assumed as much if you had to figure out if there was a sewer system around. That it's that not traveling by the, the sewer obvious. system, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's what she, that's going to keep percolating in her brain is like, how on earth okay. is this thing moving around? But for right now, she'll keep going. Okay. Yeah, I think Rose will follow behind and yeah, just keep going. Um, you continue, you reach the end of the, the alley and you kind of come out onto another main street mm. and up ahead of you, you now see the fence and the, the main gate that surrounds this church. It looks there's it, there's English written on the outside of it. It seems like maybe it's an Anglican church. Hmm. And now that you think about it, the choir boy had a bit of a, a British accent, not a French accent, um, <laughs> which you know tracks a little bit there. And do we see any like is the fence like torn in any way? Is there like any visible holes or anything? No, but it's like one of those like iron black iron bar fences with pretty big gaps in it. So oh, okay. So something could like slide. Something smaller. Though yeah. it's you haven't actually seen the size of this thing's head, so you don't know whether it would fit oh, through the, right, right, through, the, through the gap or not. That's true. Hmm. I mean, I I think that we would, you know, I think Rose would be would gesture like let's keep moving forward, like let's try yeah. these gates, see if we can, you know, at least like walk the perimeter of this church or like get into the yeah. grounds. Do we see a like a book? On the ground anywhere, because that would be where the thing used to be. Uh, yes, there was a there was a book on the ground in the alleyway. Okay, um, it was in the alley. Okay. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just the the one that he, the one that the the choir boy threw at him. It's like a it's like oh, a, a uh, yeah 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 like a, yeah like a, a songbook. Okay. It didn't look like it had been torn to shreds or anything like that. It, <laughs> the monster is not overly concerned with Anglican hymns. No. No, it doesn't seem that way. No. Yeah. Um, so you want to kind of take perimeter. maybe try to take kind of a a, a lap Sounds around good. the church. Yeah. It does seem like this is the best, your best lead so far in like kind of narrowing down where this thing is. Yeah. At the moment. Um. So you start walking around, and I think the thing that you notice initially is Rose. I, you smell uh kind of a strange, sugary smell in the area. Okay. It's like, I think you might think that it's like, if this was springtime, you would say it's the smell of newly uh, blossomed flowers, but not pleasant like that. But you know, it's like, it's that kind of like musk that you can't like quite identify where it's coming from, but it seems to be in the air. Mm -hmm. And there's like a, a, a sugariness to it, but also kind of a, 
like an off-putting muskiness to it. Like a rottenness to it? Maybe. Or, okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Okay. And I think as you kind of make your way about, uh, you know, halfway around, you um, you see Genevieve and Percy, um, who are kind of walking toward the church. The, the choir boy does not seem to be there anymore. And uh, Genevieve and Percy, the choir boy, came and told you this. They said to go to the church um, or go nearby the church. And then he ran off. I, I imagine we handed him not, you know, a couple pennies or whatever, but like a unnecessarily large amount of money for his troubles. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> Worst day to best day real fast for this kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're walking the perimeter as the Vanderbilts come up, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, yep. um, I think like Rose is still like kind of like scoping things out and maybe like wrinkling her nose a little bit because of this smell, this sugary but also bad smell. Um, and I think she'll gesture for them to come by and just, you know, kind of catch them up briefly that they ran into this kid who looked obviously like visibly upset and that he said that he encountered the creature like threw a book at him and like this is where they, this is where it seems to lead. Um, and just ask really quickly if they had heard if they've heard anything else, like any other sightings. I think we would just share that there were, most people didn't seem to have heard anything or seen anything, but a couple of people were like, yeah, I saw something like that and didn't know really where it had gone. Mm. Okay. And then I think Rose is going to pause and she's going to take another breath and wrinkle her nose and say, do you smell that? Does anyone else smell that sugary but awful smell? Yeah, I think it, once pointed out, I think yeah. you all would, would notice it. Mm-hmm. Do any of us have any recognition of it? Yeah. Or no? Yeah, actually, I think natural history, um, Genevieve. So it smells to you like honeydew, but not the melon. Oh. There's another kind? Honeydew is also the name for kind of the the sugary waste product that aphids secrete. Oh, good lord. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Um, and that's what it smells like to you. Maybe you've done some insect research for something, or maybe 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 one of the in med school someone was trying to use it as some sort of kind of medicinal for some sort of medicinal purpose, uh, Genevieve. So you've you've been around this substance before, and that's what it smells like to you. Okay, interesting. I would share that, but then I would. Also, ask again if we could follow it. Yeah, sure. yeah. So you, yeah, you, you try to follow it, and it seems—I don't know—maybe just a touch more pronounced in the back of the church. So as you kind of like move your move your way to the front of the church, because you kind of met up in the back of the church. So if you move your way to the front of the church, it gets a little less strong. Hmm. And right around when you're noticing that, you hear a voice kind of shouting from near the front of the church, near the main entrance. It's just someone going, Bastien, Bastien, like someone shouting someone's name. Mm. Like in a scared way or like in like a, just calling out to this person. Like way? where are you kind of way. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm so scared. Bastien's the person without an arm. <laughs> or is it the oh. choir boy? Or is oh, it yeah. the monster? Right. <laughs> Did we get the choir boy's it's... name? No. 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 He doesn't have a name. <laughs> Get out of here, kid. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I think then we move to the front of the building. Yeah. 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 Someone around here has got to know something. Yeah. So as you move around to the front of the building, you see um, a young priest. He has kind of a furrowed brow, close set eyes, and he's clearly calling for someone. Bastian, are, are you around here? Ba- Bastian? Bastian? I would approach him and say... Who are you looking for? Oh, hello there. Hello. Who are you? <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> uh, hello, sir. Um, my name is Genevieve Cornelia Vanderbilt. I'm um, trying to investigate something, and we've actually seen some strange things around here, and we were wondering if maybe you had also experienced some of these strange things. And as you're asking him that question, Rose, you kind of are looking around and you look up and there's a there's a statue in the courtyard of the uh, of the church it's of a saint um and you see just one drop of blood 
oh, no. coming out of its oh, no. uh, kind of oh, dropping no. down its cheek Uh-oh. from its eye. And you are sure that something related to what you're looking for is going on at this church. I need you to roll me a uh, composure check, please. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, and let me know if you want to spend anything on this. Um, I am not going to spend anything on this because I think that this comes as like, I just think that would really take her by surprise. And this yeah. is also like very like personal for her. So, okay, I'm going to roll it. Two. Oh, boy. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> Come on, Rose. Hey, at least I only have one shot card yes, right now. I know absolutely. it'll be a second one, but like, the well, most important thing is that <laughs> yeah. I just want to remind you mm-hmm. that if you get a third one, it's over. There's no yes. like, there's no trying to recover from the third one. It's okay. Over. Yes. Um, so that's actually a fail by two. Oh, shit. Um, okay. So you're taking a major God. shot card oh. called okay. Dread. Oh. <gasps> Um, and so Dread says uh, minus one to presence and focus tests. So if you look at the, if all of you look at the general abilities, there are some yep. that say presence next to them. There are some that say focus next to them. Minus one to presence and focus tests. After any such test, roll a die. If you roll an even, you <sighs> trade this card for unease. Uh, is unease like? Unease is the minor, yeah, is the minor okay. card <laughs> that you would have okay. gotten if you had only failed by one. So yeah, okay, but it isn't Slightly like if I get it, it isn't like if I get an odd, it becomes worse. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, you, if you, if you get an even, it it improves. Okay, Thanks. so after any roll, not just a presence uh, no, or any focus such test. test. So either a presence oh, or a focus test. Okay, yes. got it, got it. Okay, okay. So um, she sees that statue. And it's a, it's a saint, right? Like there's no other. Yeah, yeah. Like that's it's just some saint, right? But she sees the the teardrop, um, and I think she has almost the immediate same reaction as she did when she saw the arm in the mm-hmm. water. Um, she takes a step back and turns away, and she she presses her good hand against her forehead, and she goes, "No, no, not now, not now," and then you know takes a moment to like pull herself back together again, and when she looks back up. Is it still crying? Blood tear? It's it's not. And in fact, you would have expected there to be like a red a red <gasps> streak down the cheek. Yeah. Um, and there is not. Oh, okay. God. Okay. I don't think that she says any of this to any of her party because for Rose, this is a fear that she is losing her mind. Um mm-hmm. but uh I think that she like looks to the priest um and says, you know. We we're we're looking for uh, there's a small creature that was moving um, through the alleyway. We think that it has gone into the grounds. Can we go into the church? Oh my! Well, um, I suppose. Uh, um, well, I, I'm I'm looking for someone as well. Um, our caretaker, the, the church's caretaker, Bastian Teroff. He, I I need him for something, and he it's, he seems to have gone missing. It's not like him to go missing while on duty. Uh, I just saw him maybe an hour ago. He was he was working out on the yard, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure where he is. Would you uh, please come in? You can accompany me as I as I look around. Old, old Bastion, oh. two arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bastion, I mean, I say it on it. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Bastion, arm. two arms. Yeah. <laughs> when you That's saw him an hour you. ago, how many yeah. arms did he have? I know. Yeah. Like, there's no way to ask that question. There's none. Yeah. Um, and the timing may or may not actually. No, at this point, it wouldn't align, would it? Because right. it's been it's been enough yeah. time for us that it wouldn't be okay. Yeah, it's probably yeah. been four hours since yeah. you saw the arm the first time. Yeah, and he yeah. would definitely have mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it's not looking good for Bastion. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay, so so, so, um, so, he starts walking kind of through the grounds, kind of around, you know, to the side and then to the back. Um, mm-hmm. How are the four of you as you um, follow along, if you're following along? Are there any other, like, statuaries or, or anything else in this churchyard? Uh, yeah, there's quite a bit actually. There's there's quite a few kind of statues and you know maybe floral arrangements and other things like that that are um, kind of scattered throughout the yard. Yeah, I think I would take like a a bigger loop and try to like peer around as much of that as I can. Too many good hiding places. 
I, I think Percy is kind of doing the opposite, sort of like with the gendarme. He's like staying close to this guy okay. and, you know, kind of cajoling him a little bit like, oh, a man of the cloth, you know, a holy being here. And we're telling you about the light that guides you. And, and but like, you know, you know, in a way, there's like a little bit of irony in his voice because Percy mm. has dabbled in the occult before. So he doesn't necessarily <laughs> respect this gentleman. Um, but I think he's trying to use that same. He's trying to ingratiate himself a little bit. He's trying to get some intel that way. Sure. What about for Rose and Genevieve? I think Genevieve is also just staying close to the priest, trying to like make sure she's the first to receive any information. Um, and I think Rose is like trailing probably a little bit behind the Vanderbilts. Um, you know, she's really on edge now. Um, mm. Like, you know, kind of like scanning the yard. And I think periodically looking back up at the church for fear that she'll see what she saw again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the priest um, says, "Oh well, your uh, your your accent strikes me as uh, American. Uh, have you ever do you do you have a, a parish of your own? Uh, you know, there aren't a lot of Americans who belong to our particular faith, but you'd certainly always be welcome." Talking to Percy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> I'm trying to think of how much Percy would give up here, and it's honestly probably everything. So I feel like Percy's. <laughs> He starts gushing, you know, I'm a follower of uh, Oswald Wirth, an uh, an occultist. And he starts sort of talking about how, you know, the the church abandoned him when he was a child. You know, I've I've lost my path, you know, in the way of the light and I'm. (laughs) I'm going the way of the darkness. And- <laughs> Just casually drop that out there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, the, the priest looks um, appalled um, <laughs> and kind of starts to stutter and says, well, you know, I just just know that the, the Lord and, and his, his light are, are always here for you if, if you ever choose to return from the path that you're on. And, oh, my good Lord. And as he's <gasps> rounded the corner, he shouts this and you all see that there's an older man and his body has been ripped and torn to pieces kind of up against the threshold of a small tool shed and you all missed it because his body was blocked by the shed Mm. and you were around the back on the outside Mm -hmm. Um, but I need you all to roll me another composure test Um, so so Rose Um, be warned. Please don't (laughs) die. (laughs) Okay. So this is a a presence test, so you will take a minus one here. Okay. Oh, God. So I'm going to spend... I'm going to spend one to try and combat that. Can I do that? Well, yeah, I just want to warn you that if you fail, you're out of the game forever. All right, forget it. I'm spending two, then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to spend two. You're out of the game forever. Okay, I'm going to spend two. Oh, God. Well, actually, we're going to do you last. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, 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 okay. (laughs) Okay. So, Percy, I think you were up next to the priest, so you're probably first. Hmm. Um, So would you like to spend any composure points at seeing this just horribly gruesome body that has has been like torn to shreds and is uh, kind of in on the threshold of this tool shed? Yeah, I'll um, I'll spend one with the rationale that Percy has just been talking about how he's following the path of darkness (laughs) and has abandoned the light. And so Uh (laughs) immediately coming upon a gruesome dead body is oddly fitting for him. Yep. Um, so, oh, rolled a two, so that's a three. Three, okay. Um, what about Genevieve? I'm gonna spend two, uh, because as soon as the priest told me he was looking for his missing caretaker and I remembered that smell that was coming from the back, I was mm. pretty sure he was ripped apart like the so arm that we found this. in the yeah. river. Yeah. Okay. And I was determined to not be surprised by that. And also, I I was listening to Percy talk about his gruesome visions, so I also had that at the the top of my mind. Okay. All right. Also a two. That's <gasps> a four. four. Okay. What uh, are we doing, fam? Um, <laughs> I I will also spend another two, I guess. Oh boy, oh boy. What's your rationale? I think it's that. Yeah, like, we've seen the arm, we've seen the cat, and it's, she knows there's a dead body somewhere. Like, it just kind of makes sense to her. And plus, she's the one that always thinks in narrative. So she knows that if somebody is calling out for somebody who's missing, there's a part of her brain that's like, yep, missing no more. We're about, Mm -hmm. we're going to find them. 
So I think she was kind of stealing herself from the moment that, like, she heard that there was a caretaker missing. Okay. Sounds good. <sighs> okay. Come on. I also got a two. So that's a four. So that's a four. Oh, okay. no. All right. So, um, Rose, um, okay. you have a minus one automatically. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many are you spending? So I'm actually going to spend three. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to spend three. And here is my justification yeah, for let's this. Yeah, Is that seeing that statue cry the blood tear has, like, really, like, you know, now she's, like, fully, okay, like, what happened to me, like, back in the winter, like, you know, something here is happening again. And I think it is just, like, that steely resolve that she has as someone who has, like, had a harder life and, like, tried to get to this place. She's mm. like, I refuse to let this, like, take me out. Like, yeah. I am going to, like, I have to literally draw within, like, the deepest well of myself to, like, not let whatever I th- might be happening happen. Yep. Okay. okay. So there's okay. a cumulative plus two, right? You're spending yes. three. Yeah. Minus one from the other shot card. Yeah. So cumulative plus two. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Six. Oh, so. thank God. That's, that's <laughs> <an eight>. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Sanest in the whole bunch. Yeah. So then also please roll the die again. Okay. Uh, okay. What should we hoping for? Odd or even? Even. Even. Four. <gasps> okay. So then, nice. so uh, so your dread card now changes to unease. Okay. And uh, the text of it reads: Your next presence or focus test takes a minus one penalty, then discard. Oh, Ooh, amazing! Okay. Nice, nice. Woo. Okay. I love that ha- that happened after you rolled so well. That makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, so That's how it should be, right? Like you succeeded so well. So heck yeah, you can downgrade so, that. So okay, so yeah. okay, so but I actually want I want to dig into this for just one more second. So mm-hmm. you see this body, and somehow you actually feel better. Why do you think that is? <laughs> you feel less scared almost. I think because it has become more concrete by mm-hmm. seeing this body. Mm-hmm. Everything that we knew about this little creature and, like, the disturb or the unease that the other people that we've interacted with felt like, you know, all of that felt so ephemeral, right? So it's felt huge. It felt, like, unmanageable, like, what was real. And even the cat was, like, there's something, you know, it's still Paris 1800s. Like, there's gross things, you know, rats there are dead and stuff cats like that. around. Yeah, exactly. But there's something about seeing this man <laughs> eviscerated that makes... Rose feel like this is something that can be this is something very real this is happening there is like no question of like am I losing my mind this is actually occurring and there is something about it that makes her feel like it can be stopped cool I like that Um, and so then the one other ramification that I forgot to mention is that for your other shot card that you have a morbid scene Mm mm-hmm it says to lose one health for every failed test. And so you failed that first composure test. Yep. So drop your health down by one. Ooh, okay. Oh, boy. And then before we continue with the scene, there's one other thing, one other person that we need to deal with here because Percy failed. Right? <gasps> Percy got a three. Oh. Uh, yes, he did. Genevieve and Francis um, succeeded goodness. with four. But Percy, you failed, and so you take uh, your first shot card, which is called A Touch of the Shakes. The text reads, uh, minus one to focus tests, discard by engaging in a restful activity. Okay, sounds good. Unfortunately, rest is not at the top of Percy's (laughs) agenda. (laughs) Somehow, shockingly. I'm just picturing Percy like seeing this like ripped apart body, being like, "I need to, I just need to lay down for a second. I just need to, I just need to close my eyes really fast." Do, do you happen to have a fainting couch, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a fainting couch, you all come around the corner. You see this body torn to shreds, and the priest faints. Faints straight away. Oh, <laughs> oops! That poor, poor gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> Genevieve will go over to the priest and try and revive him. Sure, would you uh, why don't you give me a first aid test um, and you can choose if, if you would like to spend any points on it. I don't think I'm that concerned about the priest. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> to save those gonna, points for us. I'm not going to spend any. <laughs> I got a one. 
you're not able to revive the priest. He's out. <laughs> you cold. make it worse. <laughs> you wish that you wish that you had smelling salts with you, but you do not. Uh, <laughs> can I? Because I, I said that Francis was like further back than everyone else. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's fruitless, but like, can she do a really quick whip around and like try and look all around to see if there are signs of this thing right now or if there's any sort of obvious trail? Yeah, you look around. Um, it's really it's it has gotten it has gotten almost dark at it's this very point, dark, so yeah. it's like hard to see too far in front of you. You do notice that the the strange sugary scent has dissipated a bit. Huh. Hmm. So I guess this probably happened before poor nameless lad um, saw the thing. Um, can I examine the body of the priest? Of course. I mean, of course no, sorry, the groundskeeper. Yes. Bastion. Bastion, yes. Yeah, so you go over and look at the body. It really is, I mean, it's a horrible, it's a horrible sight. This is not something that you would see even, even infrequently in your, in your kind of medical school career. It looks like this thing has been torn apart by an animal of some sort. And, but you can see that there are, there are these like sharp toothed bites. (sighs) Similar to the markings on the arm, right? You would estimate that the same thing did this. It's like kind of a mouth like a piranha and like, you know, maybe four or five inches wide. And, but there are also claw marks on this body as if claws had kind of raked the body apart as well. Exactly as I suspected. This is, (laughs) has been attacked by the same creature as the arm that we found. Should we, should we take the priest inside? Should we... I, I don't I kind of there's gonna be I assume we can find more light inside um I'm getting a little anxious standing around at, and uh, I don't know I mean I I agree I think we should take him inside but it's just like is like if we do like a scan of the yard or whatever is there any type of like blood trail mm. of like maybe mm. it like you know took a bite and walked away I don't know if there's anything yeah if I was I can also wondering like does it look like the creature did this for like to eat it or just mm. ripped it like mm-hmm. is there any evidence of like parts missing or anything like that yes good question it does look like it was it was to eat yes um it doesn't look like it was an attack in defense um doesn't look like it was uh, just kind of a, an attack for no reason it does look like like parts of the flesh have been torn away where the where the tooth marks are mm-hmm. Um, and yes, uh, I will allow a sense trouble test from Rose to kind of look to see if there's a blood trail of any sort. Okay. Do you want to spend anything? No. Three. Okay. No. Okay. You do not see a blood trail. Okay. Okay. In fact, there's too there's too much blood to try to figure out what direction it might be. It oh, might have not, gone. That's not nice. Got it. I feel like bringing the priest inside and seeing if there's anything inside the church. Might be a good idea. Yeah, I I want to I want to know how it's getting around. This is ridiculous. It's dusk, but something killed a man in the middle of a churchyard, and uh, no one saw a thing. One choir boy saw it running away, and then it vanished again. I don't how how is it doing this? And I don't understand. I don't understand any of it. Well, we should bring the priest inside and see if there's anyone else in the church because we also mm. need to alert the gendarme that yeah that there is a creature on the loose and also that there is a dead man in the yard. So, Percy, wanna <laughs> hoist? <Yeah. laughs> Percy, how strong are you? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Yeah, I guess Percy will pick up the priest and put him on his back and carry him inside the church. Who has the highest athletic score? I think it might be Rose. Oh, I have a five, so... Oh. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I don't know I what is yours, Percy. Okay. Perhaps the two of you together can I lift gonna, the body. Yeah, there we go. So, you know, uh, Rose, you know, hooks under his uh, his arms and lifts him up, and Percy can carry grab the feet. His, yeah, grab his yeah. feet, carry mm-hmm. him in. Does yeah. Percy have a sense, because he's always had this, like, vague sense of doom, um, does he feel like anything is extra wrong right now? Yeah, I think your I think your sense of your sense of narrative, right? Your sense of story is telling you that this experience is part of the important part of your story. Hmm. Oh. 
I think Percy would also find this unsurprising that it this is he's kind of been waiting for this like this it's happening finally this big thing is finally happening then yeah I think that makes sense Percy um that this is kind of like um you know you you're 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 drawn into this event because you think that it that you should be because it's part of part of your story yeah, and I, I think that's motivating to Percy, too, because he's someone who, I mean, again, he spends all of his day, you know, at cafes and bars and whatever out late into the night. It's not like he has a lot motivating him at, at this point anyway. Um, so I, I think that fits. Yeah. And so um, you and Rose carry the priest's body through the main entrance of the church, followed by Genevieve and Francis, and there's no one in there. Hmm. You know, there's some candles lit, there's some lights on dimly, uh, but it doesn't seem like they're expecting, you know, there's no there's no more services tonight. It seems like this priest was probably the one who was here. So there's nobody else around. I think Frances is getting cross because she's very frustrated that this is happening again. And I think and she's... Again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And so I think she's going to like... She got this bugaboo in her head about, like, how this thing is going around. And so I think she's going to try to start opening some doors and, like, try to figure out, is there an upper and is there a down? Downer? Is there, are there drugs? No. Um, like, is there a lower level that she should look into? Is there an upper level? Um, and, like, for all she knows, this thing is hiding here and, like, using this as some sort of home base. Or maybe there is just an easy way around this area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's no there's no obvious um, set of stairs to the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is even a basement in this in this church, there are certainly stairs up to the choir loft. Mm-hmm. But there's no obvious like second floor. It's like yeah. the the ceilings are vaulted. It, the 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 sanctuary clearly has only this one um, mm. this one area. Is there like a obvious office or anything for this priest where Percy and I can um, drop him off, or are we uh... just leave him there? <laughs> I don't know. Like, are we like laying him in a pew or something? You know? There's not an obvious office, certainly. Like, there's okay. a the sacristy would be in the kind yeah, of yeah, I was thinking up, about the in sacristy. the altar area. Okay, he probably probably has an office elsewhere on the grounds, right? Like, there's probably oh. like a building where he and the other priests who work here might live. Okay. Um, I mean, I think Rose would maybe just gesture for her and Percy to, like, kind of gently lay him in one of the pews because, you know, I don't want to carry this guy around forever. And also, (laughs) just in case, like, this thing pops back out again, maybe we don't want to trundle him away by himself Mm. so he can also get eaten. But, yeah, I think, like, once we, like, kind of lay him down and make sure, like, he's comfortable if he's not yet (laughs) coming to, uh, yeah, I think Rose would want to take a look around the church as well. Okay. Yeah. Percy and Genevieve? I know this seems unlikely, but I am wondering if there's any weapons to be found in the church because (laughs) Genevieve is starting to feel like she might need to protect herself and she does have a gun, but I don't think she brought it with her to her You don't think she brought it to the park? (laughs) Curse this picnic. Just casually. I don't think so. Okay. Um, What kinds of weapons are you hoping to, to discover in said church? I mean, if there was a handgun, that would be excellent. <laughs> There's none. <laughs> this there... isn't Notre Dame with with Father Sicard. <laughs> Does there happen yeah. to be like uh, wine, like a uh, like back behind the altar in the sacristy? Is there like a little little altar boy closet that's got the wine that we could like? Sure. Get <laughs> your fucking yeah, bottle. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's like there's candlesticks, there's candle holders. You could swing one of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What that thing that they the incense swings from? Oh yeah, you could swing right? that Ooh, around. That's good. <laughs> that's that is basically a mace, you know. Censer, censer. Yeah, it's a censer. Oh god, yeah, just something heavy. Or there's probably like a crucifix that one of the servers hold that you could smack somebody with. Ooh yeah. Oh, that's it's intense. Epic. Yeah. Very you choose whatever you, all of those things mm-hmm. are available to you if you'd like to steal them from the Anglican Church. <laughs> uh, I like the incense, but if Rose wants to claim the incense, <laughs> no, oh no, hammer, I got my I, I got my mallet and my chisel. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah I'll take the I'll take the incense swinger. Amazing, <laughs> incredible. I think would would Percy have his knife with him? I feel like he's someone Probably. given his yeah. underworld experience, he would kind of always have. He never knows when he's going to need the blade. Yeah. 
Uh, you want to tell people what your knife is like? <sighs> um, it's just, <laughs> it's it's like a long. Uh, so Percy ha- grew up uh, fencing, and so he's actually quite handy with bladed weapons well. like this, um, because you know he comes from high society, so fencing was such a natural thing for him to do, and so he just has a like a relatively long knife with him um, that you know it's been part of the Vanderbilt lore for generations um nice you know he just keeps it on his person at all times can't wait to see him use that i think he's also um given his like interest in the occult he's kind of looking around the church for anything um not just for investigative reasons but also personal curiosity that looks a little bit off a little bit towards a darker path perhaps Mm. Mm. interesting so the four of you start to look around and you know, uh, Francis, you probably make your way up the stairs in the mm-hmm. to the choir loft. You're probably having visions of climbing mm-hmm. the stairs at Notre Dame up to yeah. the organ room. Yep. Is there an organ? Yeah, there's an organ up there, um, mm-hmm. for sure. And she decidedly does not play it. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and, you know, the sun has set by this point, and so other than the flickering candles and, like, kind of the dim lights in this area, because there's a little bit of electricity in Paris at this time, I think, Hmm. Um, and a church would have it. Um, So there's kind of dim, maybe there's not. Anyways, the lights are very low in here, whether it's just candlelight or otherwise, oil lamps and such. And in such a big space, sound is so amplified. Hmm. Um, You know, footfalls kind of echo through. And you search around, you walk around, you look, it seems totally abandoned. There's no one here. It seems like perhaps the priest and the caretaker are the only people that would have been here this evening. And unlike your, unlike Francis's experience at Notre Dame, hmm. nothing seems out of place at this church. Lily, you look angry. And none of the rest <laughs> of us find anything either. Hmm. And the smell is gone completely. Yeah. Okay. Do they have like a, a telephone or a telegraph? Something? Um, they have phones I don't know, by they? 1895, I think. Yeah, they do. They do, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the church would have one. Mm. Let's say they do. Great. Mm. Fancy. Yeah, Francis is going to stomp back down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing here. There's nothing here, and I don't know what to do, because that thing is probably eating somebody else's face right now. And I can't hit it, because I can't find it. Uh... Okay, so we've searched around and we're not seeing anything. But there mm-hmm. is a telephone? Yeah, we'll say that there's a there's okay. something in the... Are you trying to contact the, the police? Uh, the, is that the... Yeah, yes. I wonder yeah. if we should reach out to the gendarme and um, tell them Give about an anonymous this. anonymous tip. Um, I don't know. I don't know if... It, like, do we want anonymous or should do we also want to see if they have any information on who was attached to the arm that... That's true. Oh, missing. yeah. Oh, yeah, can Percy call give him a contact. call? That's a good idea. And, yeah, does yeah. he like get on the phone and the same guy just happens to answer? <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> you again, Monsieur Percy." Uh, yeah, so you so you call over there and uh, let them know what happened at the church. And the person on the phone is not the same person, but does say, "Dang." And you said you were Monsieur Vanderbilt, correct? Why, yes, indeed. Yes, we. We just sent someone to find you. Uh, you are uh, your presence is requested at the at the morgue. Uh, you should see a, a Dr. Landry about your previous request. And that is where we're going to end our story for now. Ooh. Oh, go back to the morgue. Uh, when <laughs> when you when Percy said that about having like a long time family knife, I'm just picturing Anderson Cooper with the same. He also he is the long blade, the Vanderbilt <laughs> family knife. <laughs> this podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite, written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast.